And listen, we have a great speaker tonight, Pastor Tom Carano, one of our assistant pastors at our Bayville campus, personal friend of mine as well. I know he's got a powerful message. And let me tell you something. I get to sit next to him at work. So we're right next to each other. And I'm, I'm telling you now, when he, when he does a message and I see him preparing and God puts something on his heart to share, he puts his everything into it to be able to communicate the word of God as clearly as possible because he knows how powerful the word of God is and he wants all he wants is for a life to be impacted and touched through God and through his word. So I just want to just pray and just thank God. And is the message going to be powerful? We thank you, Lord, for this message you put on Pastor Tom's heart and that we would have open ears to hear and open hearts to receive. Jesus name. Amen. If you could welcome Pastor Tom Carano. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Well, good evening. How is everybody? Good? Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm really um, looking forward to sharing this message tonight with everybody. So we're going to just get right into it. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the subject of forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a vital part of our lives to have a healthy relationship with God, but not only that, but also to have a healthy relationship with others. So we need to live a lifestyle of forgiveness and have a heart of forgiveness. So really this message is about the heart because it's really about the heart because we could say we forgive somebody on the outside and kiss them and hug them, but in our hearts, we could still harbor unforgiveness. So today, this, this is a heartfelt message. So across all campuses, we've been discussing building a foundation. Last week's weekend series, it was awesome. And the next, these next weekends, this series is going to be a life-changing series. But the one thing Pastor had talked about this weekend is we can't go any further if we don't have a strong foundation in our lives, right? We, he really stressed that a lot. And I know at Babel, uh, Pastor Mike had ministered, and he really stressed that a lot, that we can't go any further with a faulty foundation. If we have a faulty foundation, we can only go so far. So when it comes to forgiveness, I cannot stress this enough. This is an area that we cannot have any cracks. If there's an area that we cannot have any cracks, it's in the area of forgiveness. So we do not want to have cracks in this area. So if we're going to go where God wants us to go in, in 2022, forgiveness is going to be one of the things that takes us there. So what I always like to start off with the goal of the message. So what is the goal of the message? What does the Holy Spirit want to accomplish here tonight? We want to have an understanding and an appreciation of how much God has forgiven us, and we don't want to just stop there. We want to extend that forgiveness to others. I'm going to say it again. To have an understanding and appreciation of how much God has forgiven us and extend that forgiveness to others. The title of the message is the imperfect game. Now, a lot of you have remembered this message from about two and a half years ago. But before I get into why I chose that title, I just want to prepare our hearts for the message. I feel, I feel it in my heart to really take about five minutes to prepare us for this message on forgiveness. But how this message came about a second time is I was, we were at the diner, I think it was Pastor Jerry, Pastor Mike, and Pastor Joe, and we were talking, and Pastor just, uh, we were talking about something, and we said, isn't it crazy how people could argue over the silliest things? 
So I had shared with Pastor just this message to remind me of something. I shared a testimony with him that this was a two-part message about two and a half years ago, that at the end of the message, it was awesome. Two people who actually had had a difference over something actually reconciled in the actual services. It was so awesome. So when I shared that, in his heart, he's just like, you know what, we really need, you need to do that message again. And again, it was two parts, but I, I condensed it into one. Um, you know, Pastor will be back next week, so I condensed it into one. But I really want us to hook up. And here's what I want to prepare us with. Our God is a God of forgiveness. The whole Bible is a story of forgiveness. So it's almost like if we're going to be Christians, but we're not showing forgiveness, receiving it from him and extending it, then who are we really? Are we really acting like God? So we're going to start off with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen to this. This is important right here. That's why we have it in yellow. That God is reconciling the world to himself. Here it is. This is a very key phrase for the night, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. What's that message? Not counting people's sins against them. We have to hook up with this message. So what a great message. So I want to talk about New Year's Eve going into 2022. I don't know about anybody else, but there's something about New Year's Eve, right? A lot of us, as, as you get older, you're like, oh, I'm going to go to bed before 12. You almost, you almost make it like a point. I'm going to do something different. But I always end up staying up late. And one thing that happens to me, and I don't know why this happens. Can you please raise your hand after I say it, if it happens to anybody else? Does anybody get emotional at New Year's? Okay. Okay, a few of us. I don't know. why. Well, I do know why now. Something happens when that clock goes to 12 o'clock. I think it's because I remember all God has done that past year. In spite of all my mistakes, all my stupidness, all of our, and all of our stupidness, and not just that, he's just so faithful to us. And I think of that, but then I think about all the people in my life that I love. I think about the people that I walk this journey with. I think about aunts and uncles that maybe aren't here anymore, but people that I love and people that I want to walk this life with, and I think that's why I get like that. So for me, it amazes me how people can throw away a 25-year relationship over one incident. And you say, oh, that doesn't happen. It's built up over time. It's little things. That's true. Some things build up over time, but I can testify. I know I'm from an Italian family. One incident. I know an individual, one of my friends who told me his uncle or this person in his life lives in the same, ha lives in a two-family house or right next to somebody, and it's their family member. They haven't talked to him in 15 years. They'll see him thrown out. So it's unfathomable to me. We can have that in the Christian realm. We can't have that. So here's what I want to say. This is the preparation for our hearts for this message. We cannot harden our hearts to the subject of forgiveness. We can't. The Israelites' 40-day, 40 40-year 40 journey, I believe it took them anywhere from 11 to 40 years. I wasn't 100% sure. I looked online, so I went to the doctor, the reverend, Pastor Jerry. You know what his answer was to me? I said, Jerry, <laughs> this is good. I go, was it 40 years 
How, the 40-year journey took 11 days. He goes, I don't know. I haven't walked it. He goes, I don't know. <laughs> and then he starts getting into this really funny story anyway. So I just thought that was good. He had me laughing. So anyway, the, the bottom line, the 40-year the 40 journey took, took a lot of, took, um, could have taken a shorter time, 11 days, 40 days. So isn't that sound a little like us? Because we say forgiveness is a process. Do I agree with that? Yes. But to a certain extent, we drag that unforgiveness process out a lot longer than we have to. So we don't want to do that. Amen? All right. So James 4, 6. This is key. I hope you like me after tonight, okay? You will, because we're, ta we're talking about the Word of God. I've had to forgive. We all had to forgive. Um, we all have stories of forgiveness. James 4, 6. But God continues to give more grace. That's why scripture says God opposes the proud, the haughty, the ones who I'm gonna take the high road, the ones who are up here. But he what? He gives grace to the humble, the lowly, the one who see themselves correctly, understand that if it wasn't for the grace of God, they wouldn't be where they are. So we need to be humble, right? We need to be humble. Humble, very humble, if we're gonna receive this message. We have to put down our pride. We have to not act like everything's okay. If there's unforgiveness in our hearts or if we can't receive his forgiveness, we have to get rid of the pride. And I'm talking to myself. Did I say, I didn't say you, I said we. I'm talking to me just as much as I'm talking to you. We have to just break down the walls and not act like everything's okay. It's in the heart. God sees the heart. David was a man after God's own heart. He made mistakes, yes, but in his heart, he wanted to do everything God wanted him to do, amen? So that's the first thing. Second thing we have to understand, it is a supernatural work of grace. The scriptures say in John, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, we cannot forgive. So let's just not try to do it on our own. It is a supernatural work of grace. Let's to receive the grace of God to receive forgiveness for ourselves and forgiveness to others. And I hope every single person in this room is walking completely in no guilt, no condemnation, and completely extending forgiveness to others. But unfortunately, it's not always that way. And even so, even if you are, we the enemy can come down the road with something that's unexpected and you could be like, wow, didn't realize that I had stuff in there that had to get out. So this message is for everybody. So the, again, the title is The Imperfect Game. Why did I choose the title, The uh, Perfect Game, crossed out to say imperfect? So when I started, uh, this message is from two and a half years ago. So when I started to think about this message two and a half years ago, pastor had asked me to, to minister in a service, and immediately I knew I was supposed to talk about forgiveness. And this baseball game from like nine years prior flashed in my head. So I'm getting ready the next morning. I turn on the TV for like 30 seconds. And from nine years prior, a clip of this game comes on. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm not thick-headed. I think this needs to be in my message. So if you don't like baseball, please like it tonight. How many people like baseball? Okay, we're good. Most of us do. All right, so so here we go, 2010, June 2nd, 2010, at Comerico Park in Detroit, Michigan. This is where I go into my radio announcer stuff. The teams were the Detroit Tigers and the Cleveland Indians. The pitcher was Armando Galarraga, and he was making a bid for the perfect game, okay? So what is a perfect game? A perfect game by Wikipedia Major League Baseball is a game by a pitcher or combination of pitchers that lasts a minimum of nine innings with no batter reaching any base to achieve a perfect game, a team, 
which is the, the pitcher or combination of pitchers, must not allow any player to reach base by any means. It's a no-hitter, right? There's no walks, no hit batsman, no one called caught third strike, catcher, fielders, interference, or fielding errors. In short, 27 up, 27 down. I think they Major League Baseball changed the rules recently where you could have an, a, a misplayed foul ball, but that doesn't matter. But at the time, there was 218,400 Major League Baseball games played, and there was only 23 games that were perfect in the history. I think there's been one since this game. 23 to 33 consecutive seasons without a perfect game thrown. So with that said, let's see what happens in Armando Galarrago's bid for a perfect game. And a swing and a high fly ball toward left center field. Jackson is on the run, still going. He makes the catch. Oh, Jackson! Austin Jackson in left center field. A sparkling play. Here's the one-two. Bouncing ball to short. Santiago, and there are two outs. Six up, 26 down. Here comes number 27. It's Jason Donald and a crowd of better than 17,000 to its feet. The guy we've been waiting for all night. Ground ball, right side. Cabrera will cut it off. Galarraga covers. He's out. Oh, he's safe. He is safe. He is safe at first base. And here comes Jim Leland. Oh, my goodness. Jim Joyce said he was safe at first base. You make the call. Cabrera, Galarraga. Did he miss the base? Oh, he's out. Why is he safe? He must have missed the base. Are you kidding me? Why is he safe? You see right here. Why is he safe? You make the call. Okay. So, let's for a second. I'm being serious about this. This could be going through people's minds. It's just a game. It's just a game to us. Okay, and I, I agree, other things take priority, you know, Christ, the things that go on in the world. But to that person, to those people, that's what they do. That's what they feel like God has called them to do. And they've worked all their life to do what they do. They try to get there to a pitcher. That's like the pinnacle. Perfect game, 23 times it's been done. He did it. He, I mean, he pitched a perfect game. They're even right now trying to put it in as a perfect game because it's so obvious. So here's what's so great, but here's the point. It's not about the game. I'm just trying to get you into the situation that if you watch sports, people flip out over worse stuff, um, you know, stuff that's, excuse me, not as bad as that, right? People flip out over little things. Perfect game. I'm surprised the coach didn't go bonkers. Or the, but look at how graceful the pitcher was. So this is a story of, of forgiveness, right? So I want to ask you this question. Has anybody ever messed up? your perfect game, your perfect day, your perfect life. Look at, in our lives, maybe you were going for a promotion and someone else got it, 
who kind of like buttered up the boss or whatever, got in there and messed up your perfect world, or somebody did something to you at work and you come in one day and this is over here and this person put this over here and your boss asked you to do something and you have a bunch of other stuff to do. It happens, we're human, right? So this story though ends great, okay? So the, the, the umpire was really tearful, really apologetic. And this is what the pitcher said, it's pretty cool. Um, the, the, the umpire fessed up, I, I made a mistake, I was wrong, it's my fault. Right? So just a little side note, if we're going to walk in unforgiveness, those words are going to have to come out of our mouths. It was, I'm sorry, I was wrong, it was my fault. If you've never said that in your life, you're either perfect, and we know that's not true, or we're not willing to say, I'm sorry, okay? So the ump said he was sorry. Galarraga was forgiving and understanding, and this is what he said. I, I like this. Without irony, he told reporters after the game, this is the picture, nobody's perfect. <laughs> So he was actually one of the biggest supporters, the pitcher of the umpire. So the sportsmanship that was demonstrated in this story ended up being better than if he would have pitched a perfect game because the whole world got to see forgiveness and two people walk in forgiveness. So let's take a look at how the story ends. The next day, the next game in the series, this is what they did. Well, here they come. The four-man umpiring crew is headed out to the field right now. Jim Joyce will be the home plate umpire. There is Jim Joyce crossing the threshold right now, and hopefully Tigers fans will give him a hand. You can see the emotion on the face of Jim Joyce. Oh, this is so amazing. Amazing. This is something that he has obviously never had to deal with in his career. He is trying to deal with it right now. He is trying to hold back the tears. And Jim Joyce is standing up like a man today, and he is calling balls and strikes, and he has just taken the lineup card. Not only is he standing up like a man today, but he stood up like a man last night after he made the call. Jim Joyce wiping away the tears as he takes the Tigers lineup card and the Indians lineup card as well. And here's a man that has been umpiring in the major leagues for over 20 years. He has seen it all. And he has done it all, but he has not done what happened last night and has not experienced that. And now a hand for Armando Galarraga as he walks back. What a special moment here today. Isn't that pretty awesome? So what they did is they actually had the pitcher come out and bring out the lineup card as a, an extension of forgiveness. So the ABC News, a lot of us don't like the news, right? But ABC News, I thought this was good what they said. We have it up on the screen. You might say that one man missed the chance to be perfect, but two men seized the chance to be good. And being good in life trumps being perfect in baseball. I love, love that. So now let's get into the word. Let's get into how this affects us, right? She's laughing. <laughs> Enough baseball, okay? See, guys, you can thank me. You got to watch baseball for a few minutes, which as your wife's saying, why are you watching baseball? So here's the thing. Okay, we need to understand that other, that other people's actions are going to affect us. And vice versa, our actions are going to affect others. So in this case, it was just an unintentional mistake. It was a mistake. It was an oversight. It was a faulty thing that a human did. But sometimes people are going to willfully sin against us without the intention to hurt us, but it does. They have sin in their life. But here's the third one, and this is the tough one. There are some people who were out to actually hurt you. And they will do something intentionally to hurt you. Is that not true? 
And sometimes we do that. I hope we, none of us are at that point yet. But anyway, no matter what it is, it doesn't matter what it is, we need to forgive. So life is messy, right? It is. It's just there's things that are messy in life and it happens. So here's a few scriptures that are going to lay the foundation for the rest of this message. So Colossians 3, 12 through 13, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, ready? He chose us to be holy people, holy, set apart. We need to be walking in excellence in forgiveness. If we're going to be excellent in anything, it needs to be forgiveness. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So looking at that scripture, I see a few things. We're God's holy people, so we're cut above. We're set apart. I remember Pastor Catholic, we see holiness is a cut above. We're, we're here. We need to operate in excellence when it comes to forgiveness. Number two, we have to put on tenderheart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, or we will not be able to make allowances for others' faults or things that they do, faults, mistakes, mishaps, or those offenses, those intentional things that people do. It says the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others, right? Listen, so I'm going to break down two, these two words in the Greek are so key, forgave and forgive. I broke them down, but I forgave in this scripture. Then I'm going to break down forgive in another scripture. So let me just set the tone for the two next two words I break down in the Greek, okay? You see them used for God's forgiveness toward us and also our forgiveness towards others. Does that make sense? So the two concepts I use, we can use them both ways interchangeably, okay? So forgive, so forgave. So remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That word is caritimo, forgave. In that scripture, the Lord forgave you. Listen to this. Freely give, bestow a favor unconditionally. God poured out his favor on us unconditionally. While we were at our worst, when we were sinful, when we were missing the mark, he poured out his favor on us unconditionally, and he loves us, right? So that's the first word. The next scripture is in Mark eleven twenty three through 26. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm only going to read 25 um, and 26. I'm going to paraphrase the rest. That's the scripture where we talk about speaking to the mountain. So many of us want to speak to the mountain. We want to be blessed. We want to remove things in our lives. We want to see all, all God has for us, right? Oh, we want to go after it, man. We want, we want to just have all and, and be all he wants us to be, right? Right? We want to move the mountains in our life. We want to move the mountains in other people's lives. But look what it says about when we pray. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, anything against anyone, forgive him or her, ladies, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So it keeps saying that the Lord forgave us, right? There's scriptures that say we forgive the way the Lord forgave us. So shouldn't we start looking at how God forgave us, right? So if we could see how he forgave us, 
That's the way we should forgive others. Doesn't matter your opinion. Doesn't matter my opinion. Doesn't matter how hard it may be. See, that's the biggest lie of the enemy. The biggest lie of the enemy, it's hard to serve God. The biggest lie of the enemy, that it's hard to forgive, it's not. Jesus said, my commandments are not burdensome. That's what he said. Is it not easy sometimes? Why? It it isn't, but why? Because we get our humanness in there. But according to the scriptures, it should be easier then we make it. I'm not saying that it's simple, okay? Because there is a a process to it. There is a suffering to it. There is a laying down the flesh, but I do believe we make it a lot harder and the enemy lies to us. Oh, it's hard. Oh, they did this, they did that. So we need to forgive, okay? Amen? Amen? So this is one of the more important words in this scripture. So what does it say? Forgive, okay? The word forgive in this scripture is Afiame. It's a Greek word, and listen to this. This is key in Mark when it talks about forgive others. It conveys the basic idea of an action to a cause of separation and refers to total detachment, total separation from a previous location or condition. It actually means to let go. It means to lay aside. It is actually the same word for divorce. When you're divorced, you are sep- you are you lay that person aside. When they talk about when, when when people would put their wives away, they would lay them aside, they would put them away, right? That speaks of total detachment, total separation. That's what that word forgiveness is. So that's why we've been hearing this whole time that you're stuck in unforgiveness because you are because when you're un- when you're in unforgiveness, God is saying forgive, let it go so you could what? go from one place to another. Okay, so we're not going to another place when we don't forgive. First of all, it's just so ugly to to, to walk in unforgiveness. So that's what God wants. And I don't want us to get into condemnation about it, but that's what God wants out of us. So we need to get unstuck. And like I said, I would love for everybody in here to be walking in total forgiveness because that would be awesome. And if, if it's not happening now, it's gonna happen tonight. So let's look at, somebody's perfect game who got messed up, okay? There was a perfect situation in the garden. Adam and Eve, created by God, put in a garden. He says, you could have everything you want. You have the perfect life. None of us had the perfect life. They had the perfect life in the garden. You could have everything you want. You could eat of every tree in the garden, but that one tree, don't eat of it, because if you eat of it, you're gonna be like me. You're gonna know good. You're gonna know, you're gonna be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil, and you're gonna be tainted. And when you do it, you're gonna die. There's gonna come separation between man and God. He still loves us. He still comes after us. He still covered our sins. In the Old Testament, the bottom line was God created the perfect scenario, and we messed it up. We weren't there, but Adam and Eve were there. If we were there, we would have did the same thing, because the Bible says, that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if I was there, if you were there, if any of us was there, we would have did the same exact thing. We would have messed up God's perfect world that he created for him and for us, right? So that perfect game got messed up. It got messed up, right? Because why? Life is messy because we live in a fallen world. But God, in his mercy, when he went to Adam, he said, who told you you were naked? Adam hid from him and God covered him. And throughout the whole Old Testament, God still covered our sins. And then he he sent Jesus to die for us to take away our sins permanently. Pastor Matt was telling me a story, right? And I I was reminded of one of his messages 
when he talked about life was messy. And he said when he was a kid, he was really messy. So he took a baseball bat and he broke something in his house and there was glass all over. He broke, I think it was his grandmother, his mom's china cabinet. There was stuff all over. He was in glass. He was all nervous. He was all anxious. She got home. And what do you think the first thing she did? Yell? Scream? No. She picked him up out of the glass and put him over here. And that's what God does with us. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn us, right? He said, Adam, who told you? And then he covered his sin temporarily, right? So all throughout the Old Testament. So Jesus, even though we messed up God's perfect game, because when David sinned in Psalm 51, after he committed adultery, this is what he said. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. It's because of his great love for us, okay? And he said, against you and you only, I have sinned. You, against you and you only, I have sinned. So we messed up that perfect world. So Jesus forgave us, and this is what Jesus gave us when he forgave us. This should make us shout. This should make us decide. He gave us access to the presence of God. When we were when we couldn't get into access into the presence of God, he gave it to us. Mark 15, 37 through 38, it says, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he breathed his last. Then the, te- the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When Jesus died on the cross, that represents the holy of holies. That's where the priest used to go in. And that veil was torn in two and it was open. The way was open for us to go into the presence of God without guilt, without condemnation, without fear. When Jesus died on the cross, do you realize that's what happened? We didn't have access to the presence of God because of our sin. And it says one man through one man's sacrifice and he's the only one who could have did it. So in Hebrews 10, 11 through 14, it says day after day, priests stand and perform the religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which could never what? Take away sin. It only could cover sin, but guilt and condemnation were still there. It could only cover sin temporarily. That's, the, that's what the priests would do. They offer sacrifices for the people, which could never take away sin. But when this priest, when this priest, this man offered for all time, One sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemy to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So Jesus Christ gave us access to the presence of God. Secondly, he he detached us from sin. He detached us from sin. What does forgiveness mean? From to go from one place to another, to let go, to be detached from something. When he died, sin detached itself from us. Are we gonna still sin? Yes, we commit individual sins. Understand that when you're a believer, you commit individual sins, but we are no longer sin nature. It's no longer, we are the righteousness of God. Remember that I committed a sin but it's not me, right? And then you go to 1 John 1, 9, because when we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that includes anything that you even see. Have you, you realize you cannot sin, but be involved in a situation where someone is in sin and that sin could, that, 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 unrighteousness could get on you and God cleanses us from things we see, all unrighteousness. So we are attached to the presence of God, detached from sin and free from sin. Is that not something to get excited about? 
right? Is that not something to get excited about? Forgiveness speaks of total detachment and separation from sin. So now the rest of the message is gonna be focused on forgiving others. So can you understand how good God is? How we, like sometimes we take that for granted. It's great for him to give us a nice house, nice cars, great family, all that. But man, just the access to the presence of God, we no longer have to live in condemnation. We no longer have to live in our past sins. We no longer have to live in things that we're gonna do in the future, amen? So let's see what God says. This is where the rubber meets the road right here. It says, God calls us to forgive others from the heart in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. This is kind of the, the um, foundation moving into this next piece. So the Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times. That's in one day. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle and a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That's a lot of money. I don't know exactly how much, but it's a lot. Let's look at it. It's a lifetime of sin, right? When you're viewing it from that perspective, right? Since he was not able to pay the master order that he and his wife and children and a hall he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. So basically, this person is begging for mercy, right? This person owes the master, say, millions or billions of dollars. The servant master took pity on him and canceled all the debt, and here's the key, and let him go. What does he speak of? He let him go. He took him out from under the, the, the debt. He pulled him out from under the debt. He took the debt off his back. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. We following so far? So he owed a lot of money to this one master, which is our father in heaven, and he canceled everything and let him go. Now he went out, okay, and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, pocket change. He grabbed him and he began to choke him Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back, but he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant and you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? just as I had on you. In anger, his master hand him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is, how my this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. From the heart. You could fool me. You could fool Mindy, Brian, Pastor Beth, you're not going to fool Pastor Jerry, but that's beside the point. <laughs> but you cannot fool God. And it's not a game. My point is, he knows it's there. He wants it out of there for our benefit, his glory, and the benefit of others. It's that simple. So it's a matter of the heart tonight. We're digging deep in the heart. I'm not going to give you a million steps. I'm sure there is process and things like that, but we don't have time, number one. Number two, 
God says to forgive and we need to do it and we need to do it from our heart and he's gonna give us the grace to do it. That's what we need to do. And then we can start our journey of forgiveness. So why should we forgive others? Number one, because it's the right thing to do. God said to do it first off and we need to do it and obey God, right? But number one reason We've been forgiven so much by the Father, it should compel us to forgive others. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, you gotta get this one, okay? Because one of those things all of us has done at one point where you just did before you got here, right? (laughs) On the way here, sometime at work today, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual animosity, resentment, strife, fault-finding slander be put away from you along with every kind of malice, all spitefulness, verbal abuse, malevolence. Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another readily and freely, just as God in Christ also forgave you, right? So we need to do it. Why? Because he's forgiven us. And it says in that scripture that we should freely forgive the way Christ has forgiven us. And number two, When we forgive others, we're acting like our Father in heaven. Ephesians 5, therefore, be imitators of God, dear children. Be imitators of the Father. And here's where we're going to kind of wrap this thing up. And we're going to, by the Holy Ghost, we're going to make a commitment. Forgiveness removes the enemy from the equation. How many people want to get the enemy out of your life, right? Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't hold on. Don't let the sun go down and do not give the devil a foothold. Foothold is a place or a secure position from which further progress is going to be made. The enemy wants to do this. He wants to come in little by little, subtly, little judgment here, little judgment here, maybe a big thing, little offense here, hold on to it, we grab it tightly, we hold on to it, it gets bigger. Then it gets into other area of our lives, we're holding a fence. The enemy wants to grab a foothold, right? We've been talking about a foundation. And ultimately, the enemy and God are fighting for the foundation. God wins, but there's, when the foundation, they put a footing, right? And it holds the building in place. The devil's trying to get a foothold in our lives and grab hold of us. Just like in, in football, when somebody tackles somebody and they grab them, they're trying, they won't let them go. The enemy wants to try to get a foothold in our lives. So what? He could take further ground. See, I'm just gonna go here with this. It says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold in the last days. We are gonna see many will be offended. Offense will cause you to be tainted little by little. And one day you will start believing things you never thought you would believe. One day you believe Jesus is the son of God. You believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You believe certain sins are not right. Certain sins maybe, or excuse me, certain sins are sins, right? Does that make sense? And then one day, because of offense, you see someone five years later, well, you know, isn't there many ways to God? It happens, I've seen it. Over here, pride, haughty, little by little things, maybe pick selfishness, offense, haughtiness, pride. One day, they don't even believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, that won't happen. I don't wanna take any chances. Deception is out there and it's running wild. So we don't wanna give the devil a foothold, right? So where do we go from here? 
as believers, right? Where do we go from here? I'm going to paraphrase this story. The woman that was caught in adultery, she was caught in adultery. We all remember the story? The woman was caught in adultery. I'm not dismissing adultery, sexual morality, not saying it's not where we should be. We shouldn't, but there's no condemnation. If you're in there, get out of it. The Pharisees brought her to the center court. They put her before Jesus. And what did he say? He, who was without sin, throw the first stone, and little by little they left. Here's what I'm getting out of that story. You could read it yourself. I believe it's in John 8, right? John 8, 1 through 11. I don't have time to read it. Jesus cared. There was adultery going on, but there was judgment and stones being thrown at people. You're reading it. What was Jesus more concerned about? The people that were throwing the stones, the people that were going to stone her to death. He said, woman, right? Where are your accusers? Right, the, the accuser of the brethren. They all left and it was just her and God. Where are your accusers? They left one by one. And he says, I, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Go and detach yourself from this life. But man, he poured out his love on her. He loved on her. And that love, that love allows you to detach yourself from sin. So where do we go from here? I want to finish by telling a, um, a story in this book by, by Steve saying, I could tell you stories about how I had to forgive some things seriously in my life. And I've walked through this personally, little things, big things, but I make it a point to never let the sun go down and always walk in forgiveness, excuse me, do my best to walk in forgiveness most of the time. I have other stories about how I haven't walked in forgiveness, flipped out. Actually, since this message, I think I've slipped in that area at different times and more and more I get back. But in a few, there's some times I slipped, if I could just be honest. Okay, you want me to lie, but do I feel like that's a strong error for me? Absolutely, it's always been something I value. See, personally, I think I, I've, I, I, I could pick, I think when I, when I mistreat somebody and I walk in unforgiveness, I have more trouble walking out of that than I do something else. I don't know why, because I think I value how I treat people. So there's, a, there's a, a, a true story about a man named Nate Saint who went to preach the gospel to this crew. It was, it was they were called the, Wudani or the Wudan, um, Judy. Wudan, was it Wudani, Udani? I don't remember the exact name, but that's not the point. It was a, 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 a vicious tribe in another country, and he got killed by this one guy named Minkaye, okay? Nate, Nate Saint got killed by Minkaye in a tribe, vicious tribe, went to preach the gospel. His son eventually went to that same country and preached the gospel and ended up meeting the guy who killed his father. Okay, they travel the world together preaching the gospel. The guy who killed, if you don't believe me, this is the book. I met them in person. They were at my work one time. That's Minkaye's thumbprint. That's his signature. They wrote a book about it. They travel together. So if he could forgive that, we could forgive anything. And... They came to my work, and the story was just blew us away to see these two together. Minkai passed away recently. Um, Steve Sane is still around, but they travel the world together. And they made two movies about it, Beyond the Gates of Splendor and The End of the Spear. You get that? The End of the Spear. That, that they put down the spear that a lot of that tribe got saved. So where do we go from here? Are we ready to go from one place to another? Are we ready to detach ourselves from unforgiveness? Are we ready 
to let it go and lay it aside. So I wanna do a few things tonight because we're ready to wrap up. We got about seven more minutes. Um, this is what I want us to do. If we could uh, just stand up, close our eyes. So when I did this message originally, there was, the first week was about forgiving ourselves, okay? So I think it's so important that we forgive ourselves from the things of our past. Now, I would say most of us in here have walked through that and we're kind of past that in a sense. But I think down deep in our heart, sometimes we do carry things. I don't know about you, but I carry things sometimes from things that I did as a believer because I knew better. I have an easy time when I was unsaved because I didn't know better. But I have a harder time when, when maybe it's something I did as a believer and I knew better. So that's the first group of people. And you might be in both of these categories. And then the second group of people is you feel like either you need to make a commitment to be more forgiving, have a heart of forgiveness. We're family here, no condemnation. In your heart, you need to let go of something that maybe happened 20 years ago or even a year ago, or you just feel like maybe you're being more judgmental. It's easy to be because we're seeing people going crazy and it's so easy to be judgmental and unforgiving and harsh. But God says to clothe yourselves with what? Tender-hearted mercy, um, uh, patience, gentleness, kindness, gentleness, handling people with gentleness and not harshness. So we're gonna make that commitment. But before, before we do that, everybody close their eyes. If you're in here, we talked about how we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? That's what it says in, in Romans. It says um, that we've all, all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I think it's actually might be in Ephesians, but it really doesn't matter. Um, so the Bible teaches us we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus paid the price, like I said, to bring us back to the Father, back into relationship and pay the price for our sins. And it, and it makes it very easy. In the book of John, it says, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. If you're here today and you have never believed in Jesus Christ and you've never made him your personal Lord and Savior, it makes it simple in Romans. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. What does that mean to be saved? It means to this, to be back in relationship with God, to have your sins forgiven, to be made whole, to have peace, to have eternal life. And eternal life doesn't start when we get to heaven. Eternal life starts here on this earth, right? So Jesus paid the price. And if you're here today, it looks like everybody probably knows Christ, but I want to get that taken care of first. And you never pray that prayer. We'll pray it together as a church. Just put up your hand. Somebody back there. Anybody? One more time. Just put up your hand. Okay. Good. So we're all family. So we're going to pray this prayer. But how many people, keep your eyes closed. I want this to be a private time. How many people in here, you fit in one of those categories? I'm not going to ask you to come up here. Um, I'm not, you know, just, uh, we're going to do this at our seats. So we're not right on top of each other. So if you're here today and you fit in one of those categories where you feel like you need to maybe forgive yourself or walk in more forgiveness, or you need to lay it down. Lay it at the altar. Lay down something you've been holding against somebody, or you wanna just make a commitment to be more forgiving. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. And there's a lot of people. 
Thank God, thank God. We're gonna lay it down today, amen. Leave your hands up. Leave your hands up, please. All right, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for you. So we're gonna pray together, okay? Because I know, obviously, in a room this size, we see these people here that need to make this commitment. Everybody here, we are with you. So we're gonna pray this prayer together. Um, And we're gonna just lay it down. Just put both of your hands up to God at this point as an act of surrender. And then we're gonna wrap it up. But I just wanna say this. Okay, we talked in the beginning of this message about putting down our pride. And I commend you, those that raise your hand, to put down anything in you um, of anybody around you or anything like that or anything that says, oh, I'm okay. Being honest with yourselves, being vulnerable, God honors that. And his grace is gonna be poured out right now on you. It says God opposes the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. And God, we are humbling ourselves before God and he's gonna pour out his grace upon you. He's gonna give you the grace to walk this out. So let's pray this prayer together. I wanna pray with you and then we will be dismissed. So let's just pray this prayer. Father, I thank you for what Jesus did for me on the cross. I receive his forgiveness for my life. I thank you that I could live set free from the power of sin. Sin is no longer my master. I am not under law. I am under grace. Pour out your grace. I thank you, Lord, for that blood that was shed for me. I thank you that no thing from the past will ever affect me in Jesus' name. Now we're going to pray this. Father, give me the grace to forgive others on a daily basis. Anything in my heart that I'm holding against somebody, I lay it down right now at the altar, altar. to never go back. back. I put it aside aside. right now now. in Jesus' name. name. Amen. 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 Let me just pray and we are dismissed. It's eight o'clock. Father, I thank you for this group of people. Father, I speak life over them. I thank you that you have plans for them, plans to prosper them, give them a hope and give them a future. And I thank you that the enemy has no place in their lives. I thank you that they walk out of here, Lord God, set free from the power of sin, set free from the power of the past, set free from anything that tries to hold them back. And I thank you that they walk in excellence in forgiveness. I thank you that, that they will walk in forgiveness and you will give them the grace to walk in that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, it was awesome to be able to minister to you tonight. I pray that you are blessed. If you need prayer for anything, just come up here. Our prayer workers will pray for you. If you pray, if you, it could be anything healing, um, a particular area of your life, but be blessed. Walk in forgiveness, receive that forgiveness in Jesus' name. Amen.